Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go! saying that to the Lord and I hope you I hope you have that that mindset when we're singing we're not just you know singing words on the screen but I hope you understand that hey we are me and Miranda we are guiding you to sing to the Lord you know not just to sing to a room not just to bounce your voice off walls but we are guiding you to to like sing to him but you know, not only are we singing those words to him, but that's the way he feels about us. Just to be close to us, that's, that's his desire. That's his, that's his one desire, is to be unified with us. He desired it so much that, guess what? Jesus put on skin and bones, came and lived our life to close the gap so we could be one with him. In fact, I've said it before, but John chapter 17, if you ever read it, Jesus, before he goes to the cross, is in the garden of Gethsemane, beginning to pray. And he knows what's about to happen. And what does he say? He says, Lord, let them be one with us just as you and I are one. That proves that God's desire is to be close to you. It's to be close. That's his desire. And, you know, I... If you don't get anything today, I know we'll start, we're in the body series, but I encourage you when you leave here today, some people were like, Lindsay, that's sacrilegious, but sometimes remind yourself, Lord, you want to be close to me. Lord, you want to be, you, you desire to be close to me. You desire to be close with me. Listen, he desires it so much that guess what? Not only did he send Jesus, but also he sent his spirit to live with us, to live through us. You know, whenever it's snack time at the house, the boys huddle up, even Cohen. Cohen beats most of the time, Cohen, Cohen beats the older two boys, huddle up by the snack cabinet, waiting to see what they can get. Why? Because they desire a snack so much. Now, guess what? It's not that we buy new snacks every day. Most of the time we buy in bulk. So the same snacks that are on the counter that day are the same ones that were there last week. So it's nothing new, but they desire that sugary goodness so much that they will fight, they will race. They, you, and we have this rule now where, like, if the older two boys get finished before Cohen, don't mention the snack word. We say don't mention the S word. The S word in our house is snack. It might be something different for y'all, but it's snack for us. Don't mention it because the – yeah, or we'll spell it. Because the moment you mention snack, Cohen could be eating his favorite food, he could be eating something that we know he will eat, like pizza or spaghetti or a burger, or he calls burger sausage. It's funny. I want sausage. He could be eating those. He, he, he could be eating it midway in the moment he hears snack. Daddy, I done. Daddy, I done. Mommy, I done. But you still got a whole plate for it. Don't matter because snack is what he desires. To the point that he will push everything that's in front of him just to go get that one thing that he desires. Church, we need to have that tenacity about the spirit of God. We need to have that tenacity about the presence of God. That no matter how overwhelmed we get, 
The moment you know, we, we, just re, we just recline back into the spirit of the Lord, be like, oh, I, I forgot, God, you, are, you desire to be with me. You're, you're right here with me. Even in the midst of this stuff, you are right here with me. Even, in, even on the Mondays, you desire to be with me, and I desire to be with you. Oh, oh, like David said, the one thing I desire to be in the house of the Lord and to dwell in your presence forever, the one thing that I desire, the one thing that I desire. I heard a minister say, you know what the difference between Saul and David was? King Saul. You know, they both sinned. The difference was when King Saul sinned, he went up to the prophet Samuel and said, ask God not to take my kingdom away from me. But David, when David sinned, he, didn't, he, didn't, he bypassed the middleman and said, oh, Lord, don't take your spirit away from me. Don't take your spirit. You, David, David understood that you can have everything I got, but the one, the one desire I really need, the one, the tenacity, my snack cabinet, it's you, Jesus. It's your presence. It's your power. It's your mercy. It's your grace. It's your patience. It's your justice. The one thing I desire is your presence. David said, don't take your spirit away from me. Church, I encourage you, let's have that tenacity where we're like, Lord, when we wake up in the morning, Lord, I thank you for your presence. Lord, as we're driving to work, Lord, I thank you. Your presence is going with me to work. Lord, your presence is helping me lift all the things I have to lift. Lord, your presence is helping me drive this car. Lord, your presence is going with me to the senior center. Your presence is going with me as, I, as I'm grocery shopping. Your presence is, is riding in the car as I pick up the kids. Your presence is keeping me safe on the road when everybody else is driving your presence is keeping me alert of the Smokies that are clocking and trying to get some extra money. Your presence is with me everywhere I go. Amen. Just to be close to you. As we sang it this morning, I know it's hard to believe it because we all know our worst sins. We all know our worst mistakes, but it's hard to believe it. But just as we were singing that this morning, that's what he sings over us. Zephaniah 3.17 says that he rejoices over us with songs and medleys, songs and metal, melodies. Amen. Amen. Look at somebody say, God rejoices over you. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you, Jesus. We don't move away from you, but we move with you. As we learn about the gifts that you have given your body, which is us. I thank you. Open our minds, open our hearts, where we receive all you have for us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen, amen. We've been in the sermon series called The Body, talking about the body of Christ, the fivefold ministry, the pastor, the preacher, the evangelist, the teacher, and the apostle, amen. Last two weeks, we've been talking about the apostle. If you, if you missed that, I encourage you to go back to the podcast and Look it up, listen to it, and even if you didn't miss it and you just want to go back, I encourage you to go back and listen to it, study it out. But also, you know, I feel like LeVar Burton, don't just take my word for it, try it, you know, reading Rainbow. Uh, don't just take what you hear on Sunday mornings, but open up your Bible and dig into it, amen? Dig into it. Reading Rainbow, that was, that was, a, that was a treasure. <laughs> But together, I've, I, we've said this before in this, you know, opening up this series, but we talked about how every believer, 
every person that puts their trust and confidence in Jesus, we are, in, we are now part of the collective that calls themselves the body of Christ. And the collective, it stretches across the globe. Amen. It's not just here in Lexington. Christians aren't just here in America, but there are Christians in every continent, in every country. There's Christians in every corner. There's people that are putting their trust and confidence in Jesus, despite what the news says. There are people this morning that are praying. I'm, I, you know, Kelsey mentioned, I didn't even tell her last night, but as I was putting the boys to bed, Kenyon said, Danny, why do we have to go to church? Because they were just, they just didn't want to go to sleep. So they were just, everything was a burden to, why do we have to go to sleep? Well, we need to go to sleep so we can get up and go to church. Well, I don't, why do we have to go to church? And a part of me wanted to be smart alecky and smart back to him, but I took a deep breath. For once, I practiced what I preached. Well, I've been preaching with Kellen, take a deep breath. I took a deep breath. I said, well, buddy, we don't have to go to church. And, of course, Kellen looked at me then like, <laughs> what'd you say, daddy? I said, we don't have to go to church. We get to go to church. I said, we are very blessed. We live in a country where we can not only get to go to church, we have a buffet of churches, especially in Lexington. There's a, but there's a church on every corner. And guess what? If you're sick, if you don't feel well, or you got to go to work, and you can't make it to the physical building, you could go online and watch church. Or guess what? There's churches that have podcasts. You can go back and listen. to. We are very blessed, Keenan and Kellen. We live in a country where we get to go to church. I said, and then I blew their mind and said, there are countries in this world where people have to sneak and go to church. Or they have to go to church in the bottom of a basement. Why? Because it's illegal to worship Jesus. I said, in our country, it's not illegal to worship Jesus. In our country, it is celebrated to worship anything and everything, but we choose to worship Jesus. And they were, and, and of course, they were like, Daddy, I said, yeah. They said, I'm glad we don't have to, we don't, it's not illegal to worship Jesus. I said, I'm glad too. I said, because God does a lot of good things for us, doesn't he? And Kenan said, he does. God is the best, and he's really good, and I'm glad that we don't have to be in a basement. And I was like, I'm glad too, buddy. I said, so we're going to bed because we get to go to church tomorrow, right? And they're like, right. And then, of course, they want to know the different countries. So then I'm like, I'm having to pull out Google or, like, good Lord, Mr. Specific. You know, here I am trying to make it all good. No, they want the specifics. But the body of Christ stretches from uh, one end of the globe to the other. And in this series, we're relearning the parts of the body of Christ, uh, you know, and how they perfect and how they perfect us, how they edify us, how they equip us for the work of loving and serving others. Everybody said that. Say loving and serving others. Amen. That's what ministry is, loving and serving others. i never forget it. Pastor Craig, Mazona, or Pastor Zona, and Brother Norval would always say this. How you spell ministry? W-O-R-K. W-O-R-K. I'd like to add another. Uh, not only is it W-O-R-K, you spell ministry by serving others. Amen. Ministry is loving and serving others. Above yourself. Somebody say that. Above myself. When you put somebody above yourself for the glory of God, you are doing the work of the ministry. And a lot of us, we do that every day and don't even realize it. Amen. The devil loves to beat us up and be like, oh, well, you know, it's not 20, it's not 20, 23,000 in the room. So y'all ain't, you ain't really doing ministry. It's not a full house. It ain't 100 people or 150 people or, or you ain't doing this on Wednesday nights or you ain't doing prayer lines. You ain't doing all this. So you ain't doing the work of the ministry. When the work of the ministry is you seeking out somebody that needs the glory of God and you put in their needs above your own. That's what Jesus did. He would find people all the time. Sometimes, it, and he would just be walking. 
The Bible says as he's walking through the crowd to get to another place, a ministry opportunity happens where a woman just grabs him by the hem of his garment. Grabs him by the, just by the hem. Ministry opportunity, amen? amen. But we're, we're in this series so we can see God rightly, amen? amen? If you see God right, you'll believe him right. If we believe him right, we'll walk right. And if we're walking right, then we're not falling privy to the, to the tricks of the enemy, amen? amen. <clears throat> We've said it before, but that's, uh, that's, that's in 2 Corinthians. We're not, falling, we're, not, we're not falling for the tricks of the enemy. We're not falling for the traps of the enemy. We're not falling for the lies of the devil, amen? amen. And if we're not falling for his tricks, it's 2 Corinthians 2.11. You don't have to turn there. But Paul says that uh, we are no longer ignorant to the devices of Satan, and if we're, you know, if we're not falling to his tricks, if we're not falling for his lies, then we are not surrendering our hearts to fear. Jesus said in John 14, 1, he said, do not surrender, do not worry or surrender your hearts to fear. Some of us may know it as this way. Don't, don't fret or let your hearts be troubled. If we're not, if we're not giving strength to the devil's lies, then we are not surrendering to fear. And if we're not surrendering to fear, then we are not carrying pressure we were never meant to carry and that that should be our goal to where every day i'm i'm letting go of some pressures that were never meant for me every day i'm letting go of some pressures that were never meant for me amen, amen. something uh one a kid said uh, a very hateful thing to keenan and when keenan was telling me he said he said but daddy i said what he said but i didn't believe the lies that the devil was saying i said boy i was like that was powerful because it's so easy, the moment the devil attacks us through people, it's easy to believe what they say. But here's this five-year-old telling his daddy, Daddy, I didn't believe the lies of the devil. I said, give me a hug. Give me a hug. That's right. And you, you don't. Amen? Amen. So let me tell the adults in the room, do not believe the lies of the devil. Amen? Amen. So in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, we read it last week in the Mirror Study Bible. We're going to read it again. Verse 11, Paul says this. He says, what God has in his is gift-wrapped. He's gift-wrapped it to the world. Some are commissioned to pioneer. Others are gifted prophetically. Some as announcers of good news. Some as shepherds. So let me break this down. Some are commissioned to pioneer. That's apostles. Others are gifted prophetically. Talking about the prophets. Some as announcers, evangelists of good news. Some as shepherds, pastors with a real gift to care and nurture, and then others have a gift to ignite its structure, which is teachers, through revelation knowledge. Amen? Amen. Verse 12, it says this. Each expression of God's gift is to what? Fully equip. That word equip, it means to build. So it's to fully equip and enable who? You. You know who you is? I, I'm doing like my dad did when I was a kid. You is the person you see in the mirror. So watch this. Each expression of God's gift is to fully build you up and enable you for the work of the ministry so that you may mutually contribute in your specific function to give definition to the visible body of Christ. Verse 13. The purpose of these ministry gifts, here's the reason. It's to present everyone on par. And in one, this is faith, believing exactly what the Son of God believes. Woo! You see that? That's it, let me let me say that part again. This is faith. What is faith? This is faith. Believing exactly what the Son of God believes. That's faith. Believing exactly. I mean that. I, yeah, wow. 
believe exactly what the Son of God believes, and knowing accurately what he knows concerning us. Ooh. You don't talk about what faith is, believing what the Son of God believes, and knowing accurately what he says about you. You know what he says about you? He says that you are the head and not the tail. He says that you are the beloved of God. The same love that God loves his son, he, he loves you. It says that he will never leave you nor forsake you. It says that he is with you to the ends of the earth. It says that he is the lion in front of you, behind you, and on both sides. He is the one that shuts the mouths of everything that tries to devour you. He is the one that will part the seas so you can have a clear path to get from one end to the other. He is the one. He is the Jehovah Jireh. He is the one that is providing everything you need, even if you said it or haven't said it. He is the Alpha and Omega. That means he is in the beginning. He is at the end. He is in the middle. He's residing in all four corners of your heart and mind and soul and body. I mean, we could go on and on and on. My favorite, he's the lily in the valley, which amplifies and reminds us that, guess what? You will be in trouble. You will be in struggle seasons. But at the, in the midst of the struggle, there is a lily in the valley. There is beauty in the midst of whatever you're going through, amen? Standing face to face in equal stature to the measure of the completeness of Christ. Hallelujah. Somebody say the body. <clears throat> so today we're going to talk about the prophet. Now, you know, we, most of us know who the prophet is, but just given, you know, bringing us to an equal playing field, the prophet is the one who speaks forth or openly a proclaimer of a divine message, amen? A prophet only speaks what uh, the Lord gives him or her. In fact, it was, it was really cool. I think it, was, it may have been Luke 2.36. I'm not sure, but where I was just randomly reading, and I saw where the Gospels mentioned a prophet, and it said, and she. I was like, oh, okay, all right. And it was actually in the, I think it was in the King James Version. So I'm like, nice. But a prophet only speaks a message from the Lord. In 2 Peter 1, if you have a Bible, you can turn there. We're going to be in the Passion Translation. 2 Peter 1, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and then we'll skip down to 19 through 21. But verse 1, Peter says, This letter is from Simon Peter, a loving servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to those who have been given a faith as equally precious as ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and perfect peace cascade over you as you live in the rich knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So it says it right in verse 1, Peter is an apostle. And we said it last week, apostles, they build foundations. They build foundations. So therefore, what Peter says next, this should be our base. Amen. This should be what we stand upon. This is what we should be building upon. In verse 20, I said 19 through 21, so let me do 19. If I, did I put it, I did. Verse 20 or verse 19. And so we have been given the prophetic word, the written message of the prophets made more reliable and fully validated by the confirming voice of God on the Mount of Transfiguration. And you will continue to do well if you stay focused on it. For this prophetic message is like a piercing light shining in a gloomy place until the dawning of a new day. That's powerful. When the morning star rises in your hearts. Verse 20. You must understand this at the outset interpretation of scriptural prophecy requires the Holy Spirit for it does not originate from someone's own imagination 21 no true prophecy comes from human initiative but is it is inspired by the moving of the Holy Spirit upon those who spoke the message that came from God amen 
In other words, I'm going to give you a sticky note. I'm going to give you something that it'll stick to you. I pray it sticks to you. You remember it great. It's super easy. The Holy Spirit supplies the prophecy. Wild imaginations, wild imaginations fuel dishonesty. The Holy Spirit supplies prophecy. Wild imaginations fuel dishonesty. Amen. I'm going to say it one more time. The Holy Spirit is the one that supplies the prophecy. Wild imaginations fuel dishonesty. That'll preach. So this is where we get to realign the vehicle. This is where we get to realign our vehicle. That's that's the we talked about it last week, but that that's what the that's what the the the, the grace gifts. That's what the apostle and the prophet and the pastor and the evangelist and the teacher. That's what they do. They realign the body. Why? Because if if the body of Christ is like a vehicle, every now and then your vehicle's got to be realigned. Every now and then your truck's got to be, the tires got to be aired up or your vehicle's got to get more air in the tires. Every now and then you got to get, you got to put more fuel. You got to replace the oil. You got to replace the transmission fluid. Every now and then you got to replace all these things. Every now and then you got to do an oil change. Why? Because life happens. As you get more miles on the vehicle, it, more wear and tear happens and you got to service it. The body of Christ, as we are going out into the mission field, and that's one of the things I want to put up uh, a sign as you're getting ready to go out. It says, you were, going, you were entering to the mission field. I've always thought that was a great thing. But as we're going and doing life, wear and tear happens. The devil tries to, tries to come against us. The, the, the enemy tries to raise up like a flood. And in those moments, we, we need a realigning, or realigning, and that's where the apostle that's where the prophet that's where the teacher the pastor evangelist that's where those gifts come into play where they can realign and put us back into the right perspective amen so this this morning this is where we get to realign our spiritual vehicle why because we said it again the holy spirit supplies the prophecy wild imaginations fuel dishonesty and that's coming from second peter 1 through 21 but so many times in the past still today the office of the prophet is mishandled it's misused and it's taken out of context. The reason I say this is because true prophets only speak what the Lord tells them to speak. That's it. True prophets only speak what the Lord tells them to speak. Number one, if it's a word for the entire body, then it is to be given to the entire body. We're going to realign the vehicle this morning. If the, prophet, if the Lord gives the prophet a word for the entire body, then it's for the entire body. It's to be given to the entire body. Amen? How, how do we know if it's the Holy Spirit and not our own wild imagination? If you've been called to the office of a prophet, if, you, if the Lord uses you in a prophetic way, how do you know it's not? How do you know it's his voice and not what you ate last night for supper? Or how do you know it's his voice and not what you watched last night before you went to bed? Sometimes if you watch something, I don't know if you're like me, but if you watch something before you go to bed, next thing you know, your dreams are kind of tilted that way. You know, if I, if I watch, uh, if I watch uh, Jason Bourne enough before I go to sleep, my dreams, you know, I'm saving, I'm saving all these people. I'm doing all these parkour flips and I'm, I'm you know, cutting wires and disalarming bombs. And the real, I can't do none of that. I, can, you, you, I used to be able to do a cartwheel. I ain't even going to try that now. We was walking out of Kaywood one time, and Kelsey was like, can you skip? And I was like, of course, the, the toughness in me, like, yeah, I can still skip. But in my head, I was like, boy, you better pull this off. I don't know if you, <laughs> you walked 12 miles at work today, Lindsay. Like, I don't, know if, I don't know if your calf muscles can do it. So the other part was praying, Lord, give me the strength, like Samson, let's go. And I skipped with the kids. But how do we know if it's the Lord that's saying it to us or it's, or it's our emotions or it's something else? Here's how we know. 
Because the message of the Lord does several things. It edifies and equips the body to love and serve others. And if it is the Lord, then it's a word that brings everyone a step closer into realizing the fullness of Jesus in them. So if the Lord uses you in a prophetic way and you're like, before you give it, before you say it, you're like, Lord, how do I know that you is that you? Here's how a filter is. It's going to the word of the Lord is going to do these two things It's either going to edify and equip the body to love and serve others. Or it's going to be a word that brings everyone a step closer into realizing the fullness of Christ in them. Amen. Amen. Let me give you some examples of not uh, uh, of prophetic words that have been given, but they're based out of emotion or based out of physical things. We've heard it before, but I prophesy everybody in the room is going to be blessed with a new car. You get a car, you get a car, you get a car. As much as that sounds fun and great, at the end of the day, prophesying that everybody gets a new car does not build and equip the body to love and serve the homeless. It doesn't edify or equip us to love the the woman that's had an abortion or had a miscarriage. It doesn't equip us to, to love and wrap our arms around those that have been locked up and are trying to rehabilitate their life. I prophesy that money coming to the body of Christ, it's too vague and it doesn't edify nor equip God's people on how to love and serve humanity better. I prophesy and decree and declare that your life is going to turn around after you purchase this prayer cloth, oil, or water. I'm sorry, but that does not edify, that does not build me up and teach me how to love my neighbor. It doesn't teach me how to, it doesn't teach me how to walk with grace. In my marriage, it doesn't teach me how to walk with grace with my kids. It doesn't teach me how to walk with grace with those that are against the Lord. A word from the Lord teaches us how to build and equip everybody, not just our own pockets. Second Corinthians 2.11, Paul said it, so that we may not be taken advantage of by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. We're not ignorant of his schemes. We are not ignorant. Somebody say, I'm not ignorant of his schemes. The word of the Lord equips and edifies you. It builds you up. It builds you up. It builds you up. I don't know if you've ever built something before, if you've ever put a project together, if you ever put a bookshelf together or, or built something. But, you know, at the end of the day, the instructions given, they are, they are created by the one that created that piece of furniture or, what, or whatever it is that you're trying to build. So, therefore, if you go off script... You're doing your own thing. If you go off script, you're not following the will of that creator. A lot of times when we go off script, it's because we decide to do our own thing. And so many times there's been prophets that go off script, may start out great, but then it's like, ah, you know, let's add this and let's add that. Let's add this and let's add that. And we have to make sure that we do not fall into that temptation. Because at the end of the day, watch this, when you build a bookshelf together, and if it doesn't work, you get to send it back. If you followed the instructions to the T, you took a picture, you did everything, and it's under the water, you get to send it back to the manufacturer because the responsibility is back on them because they sent you a flawed product. So therefore, if you, are, if you are echoing everything word for word what God said and just leave it at that, no additives, no extra emotions, none of that other stuff, then guess what? If it doesn't work, it's, it all goes back on God. It's not on you. But guess what? 
the word of God. God doesn't send a word that falls by the wayside. God doesn't send a word that returns to him void. What God speaks, I got to teach this lesson to my kids the other day because Kenan said something that was not, that was not nice. And Kellen backed him up and said something that wasn't nice. And I began to tell them, I said, hey, I said, put your hand on your mouth right now. They put it, I said, I said, right here, there's power in this right here. I said, do you know how God created everything? Well, and they try to come up with their answers. You'd be surprised what seven and five-year-olds can say. I said, no. I said, in the book of Genesis, in the very beginning, God said, let there be light. And guess what happened? And Kellen said, there was light. I said, right. There was light, but he, he didn't flip a switch. You know, one, I won't tell a joke. But he didn't flip a switch. He didn't do any. When he said, let there be light, it was light. I said, the words of God are so powerful that they create everything. I said, and that same God lives in you, Kenan and Kellen. And guess what? So therefore, your words, they had the power to create stuff. Church, our words had the power to create the reality that we need to be walking in or the reality we don't need to be walking in. Therefore, if we're going to prophesy, we need to make sure that with all the weight of heaven, we say exactly what the Lord gives us, and that's it. We move out of the way. You move out of the way, amen? Move out of the way. So watch this. We talked about if you're prophetically given a word that's, that's for the body, that's publicly for everybody, then you give it out in public. If the Holy Spirit has given a prophet a word for an individual, here's where it hurts. If you, the Holy Spirit gives a prophet a word for an individual, then the prophet is to only give it to him or her privately. Privately. Let me expound. Why, uh, why, 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 why can't I, why, Lord, Lindsay, if the Lord prophesies through me, why can't I tell them in front of everybody? Because it doesn't benefit the body. If God wanted the body to be benefited, then he would give a word that benefits the whole room. But if God gives you a word for somebody else, you're not going to call 20 people. The right way, you're not going to call 20 people, put them on a conference call, then call that one person. But the Lord has told me to tell you this. There's a way to do it that's in decency and in order. There's a way to, there's been, there's been the most effective prophecies over my life. People will pull me to the side and say, hey, listen, you take this and do what you must with it. But the Lord is telling me this versus me in the middle of everybody and everything. And, and then and, and the word of the Lord can still be pure, but at the same time, the delivery was wrong. And when the delivery was wrong, we don't accept it. Oh, oh, I'll prove it to you. you, especially when it's correction. But you order something, if you, if, you, if you order a meal, you go to a restaurant, you order a meal, and the waiter brings it to you, but the waiter has an attitude, and the, and the, and the, and the plates look dirty, the dishes look dirty, and you see, you see, you see, you might see something that it, that's a foreign object in the meal. The delivery was wrong. They, they, they got the meal right as far as you asked for this and they gave you that. But the delivery was wrong and you won't accept it. You'll send it back. And because of, because we are humans first, if the delivery is wrong, unfortunately, we will reject it. And we'll miss out on something. That's why the delivery has to be just, as much as we care about as saying the, the right things and doing the right thing, we have to make sure that our delivery is on point as well, amen? If God gives you something, it's not, it's, it, we can't just let the details fall by the wayside. No, we make sure we deliver in decency and order. 
But how do we know that if it's a if it's a word for an individual, it's only meant to be given privately? Because we just read earlier that these gifts edify and equip and he build, they build and they bring us a step closer to realizing that we are fully in Jesus. So when we put the, when, when we, and I've thought about this, because I've been guilty of it, but the Lord gives you a, a prophecy for somebody, for an individual, and we give it publicly, instead of, instead of edifying and building them up, it puts a target on them, and it, and it applies pressure that they were never meant to carry. I remember one time somebody said this about, or the word that got back to me years ago that I spoke, the Lord gave me a word for this one person, and I doing what I've always seen people do. I gave it to them in public. And it was a pure word and it was a good word, but what it did, it put a target on this person to live up to that hype when they weren't called to live up to that hype. And it caught, and, a, and a, the, the, the got twisted and the devil twisted it so much that it was pressure that they acquired and it broke them eventually. Broke them and broke their business. I don't even know if he's doing that kind of business anymore. We have to be careful and make sure that we are, we are not putting targets on people, but we're putting grace, the grace of God. We're putting the presence of God. We're equipping them. We are building them up to love and serve others. We are, we are bringing them a step closer in, in them realizing that they are fully in Jesus, and Jesus is fully in them. That's what the prophet does. That's what the word of the Lord does. It equips, it builds, it edifies and it brings, us, it brings us into realization that we are a step closer into, hey, I, you know what, I, I, I really am fully in Jesus. When we have that epiphany, the word was right. When the person has that epiphany, the word was right. You know what, I, I, I'm, I'm more in Jesus than what my bank account says. That means the word was right. You know, I'm more in Jesus, and he's more in me than what the people said about me in school. That, that means the word was given right. I'm more in Jesus, and he's more in me despite what my job looks like. That means the word was given right, church. The office of the prophet, the gift of the prophet. I don't even like saying the office because we read it earlier, but they are grace-wrapped gifts. The gift of the prophet is meant for us to be, a re, to be realigned and be built up and equipped Equip, that word means to literally be given the right side of tools. You know, you can't, you can't, you can't fix a car using, you know, a, 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 what is it, a sponge, a dish sponge. You can't fix a car with that. If I, if, if I were to say, hey, Dad, can you do an oil change in my car? And then I gave him a dish sponge, a little, a little magic eraser, and then a pair of scissors. Ain't nothing going to happen. That needs to happen because those are the wrong tools. But the Holy Spirit knows the right tools for you in order for you to get the right word across the right person. And he, he equips us to do that. There's times where people are like, Lindsay, I don't know what to say. Good. That means you are a blank canvas. Being a blank canvas is a blessing. Because that means the Lord ain't got to bypass and, and scrub all these different things off of you just for you to hear him clearly. A blank canvas means, I guess, what the Lord can go right in and imprint himself upon our hearts. I'd rather be a blank canvas than full of all these different methods and, form and, and, and formulas and all these traditions and all the ways that it used to be done. I want to be a blank canvas so God could just say, hey, Lindsay, go do this, go say that. Okay, Lord, I'll do that. Because guess what? If we just do that, it's up to him for the results. 
and he is more than capable for producing the results. Amen. Let me say this. So here's what to do if someone gives you a prophetic word. First, examine what they say in order to determine if it's from the Lord. That's 1 John 4, 1. We know it best. Test the spirits to see if it's of the Lord. Amen. Had that told me to me a couple months ago. Test the spirits to see if it's of the Lord. Examine to see if it's of the Lord. Determine if it's of the Lord. Think of this analogy, but gold. You know how gold is tested? Gold is tested through heat, through fire. You know, there's this one worship song that I, we don't ever sing, but gold is tested through fire. And if it's, if it's fool's gold, if it's not real gold, then it'll melt up, it'll crinkle, it'll dissolve. And they're like, yep, that wasn't real gold. And then, you know, if you've ever watched, I know a few years ago, that show, uh, what was it, like gold, gold diggers or gold hunters, gold something, gold miners, there we go. Sorry, gold miners. And literally, they would do all this work. If you ever watched it, it was, it was crazy. They do all this work. Oh, it is. Woo! Couldn't do it. I, I give up at their first five minutes. They're climbing to all these remote areas, moving all this stuff, digging all this. Only and when, they, when they see a glimpse of gold, it may be the size of one of these beads on this bracelet. But it's, it's never out in the open. It's, it's amongst the rubble. They'll dig it up, they'll dig up a bunch of rubble, and they'll put it on this tray, and then they'll begin to shake it because the tray has different holes, and literally all the dust and everything that's not gold will fall off into the bottom pan. And when they see that, okay, we think we got something. See, for me, I'd be like, sure, I did all this work. Yeah, that's got to be gold. But a true, a true, they know, hey, even though we did all this work, the job ain't done. Now we got to put it to fire. Now we got to put it to fire. Now we got to put it through pressure. Now we got to see if it, if, because if it can hold up through the pressure, then it really is gold. But if it can't hold up through the pressure, then it's not gold. When somebody gives you a word of the Lord, put it through the fire. Lindsay, what does the fire look like? The fire looks like this. It looks like, ask yourself, does this word build me or give me the tools to love and serve all of God's people better? Put it through the fire of asking yourself, does this word bring me a step closer into realizing the fullness of Jesus in me? And if, it, if the answer is yes, it does those things. And guess what? It is the word of the Lord. But also, don't try to make the word of the Lord happen. You put it on a shelf and you let the Lord make it happen. It's so easy that the moment that the Lord gives us a prophetic word through somebody and it, it, it checks all the boxes, it passes all the tests, it goes through the fire and it, and it endures all that. We want to make it happen. Oh, well, the Lord told me it was going to be this, this, this. The Lord told me he's going to bring somebody in my life. So it's that we set up a profile and we go. Duh, 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 duh. Or the Lord told me I was going to get a new vehicle eventually because he I've been faithful. all these So therefore, we go try to get along. It's easy to, for us to try to make, oh, Lord, you said this? Okay, Lord, all, all you had to say was do. Okay, yeah, all right. I'm going to go do it, Lord. You know what, Lord? I got, that's why you put that cousin in my life so they can, so I'm going to go and call. Okay, hey, hey. Man, guess what the Lord, he told me you was going to do, 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 and they don't have that. And they're like, yeah, nah, I didn't get that. <laughs> you better go check back with the, what Lord you serving, you know. But put it through, examine and see if it comes from the Lord. Examine and see. Ask yourself, does this build me up or does, uh, does it give me the tools to love and serve all of God's people? Does, does it bring me a step closer into realizing the fullness of the measure of Jesus in me? 
Those two questions are the filters for the prophecy. Those two questions are the fire that the gold runs through. If the answer is yes, like I said, then we put it on the shelf and we don't be tempted to try to bring it into reality. If you look at Jonah, Jonah was upset because he gave a prophet a word to Nineveh. And he was upset because they actually adhered to the word and they got, they create, they realigned. There we go. They realigned themselves back into the favor of God. They realigned themselves into loving and reverencing and honoring God. And Jonah got mad because the prophecy didn't come into reality. The Bible says that he got so mad that he walked up to the bottom of, to the top of a hill and he sat there because he wanted to see, he wanted to see the, uh, he wanted to see the heavens rain fire upon them. And God knew he was mad. And this, this is how smooth God was. God decided, you know what, instead of me correcting him, I'm gonna let, I'm, we're going to let him sweat this anger out. Sometimes you just got to sweat it out. He, and not only did he let him sweat it out, but the Bible says that literally he sprouted up a shade tree above where Jonah was so he can have shade while he sat there and wait. So those emotions could just wash out. And finally, when those emotions washed out, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And he was realigned. His heart was realigned as well. But don't be tempted to bring God's promises into reality. Because, listen, if you bring them into reality, you're responsible for them. You're responsible for the upkeep. You're responsible for the maintenance. You're responsible for how is it going to be paid every month. You're responsible how is it going to be paid every year. You're responsible of make sure that it looks the same way uh, you bought it 100 days later. You're responsible for that. Amen? Amen. But watch this. If the answer is no, the prophecy does not uh, do either of those two questions, then do not accept it in your heart and move on. Amen? If the prophecy does not do, then move on. Don't accept it. Don't be like, well, you know, that, uh, you know, it might happen. So I'm just going to, no. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, do not accept it. Your heart has only so much space. Your heart only has so much space. Leave it for space for God. Not space for our emotions. Amen. Not space for our emotions. Let me close with this. To those that think we're limiting God, we are not. With this series, we're not limiting God by, by talking about what the, what the apostle does or what the prophet does. We're not limiting God by saying that you can't receive a prophetic word. We're not saying that. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is be smart about it. Don't receive every word that everybody says. Don't think that every thought that comes to your mind is the Lord because sometimes that, that garlic and that could do something to you you know I heard I heard I heard Pastor Craig tell me this story about this one minister they would have come through the camp meeting and you know the Lord taught him a valuable lesson because you know when the spirit of the Lord blow in a lot of times the, the hairs on his neck would stand up and the hairs on his arm would stand up and he would be like oh the spirit of God is here and sometimes that was true but it wasn't because the hairs on his neck would stand up and the way he learned this was one time he took his wife to a Whitney Houston concert. And he watched her walk out and opened up with this acapella note that he had never heard. And he said, the next thing happened, the hairs on his neck stood up. And the hairs on his arm stood up. And that's when he realized, you know what? Maybe my emotions aren't a good indicator for what the Lord's trying to do. Sometimes I had to just ask him and trust for him to show himself before me versus trusting all these little 
you know, signs that we have eternally. Amen. And I'm like that. I'm like that. Because there's times where I'm like, Lord, you know, we all make that face. Oh, Jesus, you're so good. But, you know, Kelsey's been around me. Anybody's been around me. If I hear a good, if I hear a good, just end, I love instrumental music. And I, I, have, uh, I have this one artist that I just started listening to. I'm, I'm working out in the county, reading meters, and I get across this one song, and, you know, it's playing, it's doing good. And then uh, the guy's like, uh, the music fades, and then the saxophone solo comes on. And I was like, woo. Mm. I was like, wait, wait a minute. <sighs> Lord, it got me. It got me, Lord. But then I try to flip it. I was like, but Lord, you created him. So, Lord, thank you for giving him this gift. That brother can play. But don't be tempted to rely on our natural means on understanding the Lord. He's giving you the Holy Spirit for a reason. If you don't understand what the Lord's doing, seek the Holy Spirit and ask him, Lord, is this, is this you? There's nothing wrong with saying, Lord, is this you? My kids all the time, if they can't find us, Daddy, where are you? Mommy, where are you? Cohen, I love it when Cohen, Mommy, where are you? Daddy, where are you? Church, we need to be, Papa, where are you? Papa, is this you? Jesus, is this you? Holy Spirit, is this you? This new law that's being passed in town, is this you, Lord? This new law that's being passed in the country, is this you, Lord? And if it's not, then don't put your stock in it. Don't put your emotional energy in it. Don't give it any time of day. Your heart only has so much space. Use it for God. Use it for the things of God. Use it for seeking things above and not things beneath. Use it for seeking things above and not things below. Use it on meditated on heavenly realities. Amen? It's easy. We're not limited to God, but the whole point of us talking about the prophet is so we can learn how to distinguish what's God and what's our emotions. How we can distinguish the difference between God and being hangry. The difference between God and being influenced by a movie or show. The difference between God and being influenced by social media or, or movies or traditions or religions or the way we've always done it. Or the difference between God and our desire to go back to Egypt. The difference between God and our desire to go back to religion. The difference between God and the difference between everybody else doing it this way. We need to learn what the difference is and seek him. Seek him. Amen. Somebody say, seek him. Seek We're doing this so we can see God rightly. And I'm done. We said it before. If you see God right, you'll walk right. Watch this. Think about it this way. If your windshield is clear, you'll drive a straight path. Or at least you'll stay on the road. There we go. Hey, your windshield's cleared, you'll stay on the road. And when you can't see, what do we do? We turn the wipers on. If the wipers ain't working, we're turning the defrost on. We're doing all that we can just so we can have a clear view so we can see the road. If you see God rightly, you will stay on the path that he has created you and called you on. If you see him rightly, you'll believe him right. If you believe him right, you won't fall for the lies of the enemy. If you don't fall for the lies of the enemy, that means you're not taking on pressures you were never meant to carry. If you're not carrying pressures you were never meant to carry, that means you're not surrendering your heart to fear. You're not surrendering your heart to worry. You're not surrendering your heart to anxiety. And if you're not doing all that, it means that you are keeping your mind stayed on him and you are operating in perfect peace. David said it best, you, if I keep my mind on you, that's all you got to do. This week, that's all you got to do. Here's your one job. You ready? We done. Keep your mind stayed upon Jesus. 
We used to sing when I was a kid. I like, I got to keep in mind, stayed on Jesus. Hallelujah, praise God. We used to sing that, but we don't do it anymore. We don't keep our minds stayed upon Jesus. We keep our minds stayed upon what people say about us. We keep our minds stayed upon the bills. We keep our minds stayed upon all the different discrepancies in our life. But keep your mind stayed on Jesus. Stayed on Jesus. That's your challenge this week. Whatever you got to do, do whatever you got to do to keep your mind stayed on Jesus. That means that you gotta, that means that you gotta take days where you're not listening to certain songs that bring out certain emotions. Okay, don't do that. If that means that you gotta cut Netflix off or you gotta stop watching the news when you eat dinner, do that. Whatever it takes to keep your mind stayed upon Jesus, do that. If that means that you gotta uh, avoid certain conversations with people, do that. If that means that, you know, if somebody's like, hey, let's go hang out, you know what? When I'm around you, I really want to fight a lot. When I'm around you, I really want to cuss a lot. When I'm around you, I really want to do things that are the opposite of what Jesus saved me to be. So, you know, I, 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 I'll holler at you in a month. A month? Yeah, listen, listen, there's this thing called perfect peace, and God's giving it to me. I'm trying to keep it. There's this thing called perfect peace. There's, there's this supernatural reality that I get to walk in, and I'm trying to walk in it. There's this peace that surpasses all understanding. I'm trying to operate in it. There's this joy that's unspeakable. I can't describe it, but I want to have it. Therefore, I, you got to go. Therefore, you got to go. Please, 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 I challenge you. Keep your mind on him. Stayed on him. Not visiting, not just visiting, but stayed. Somebody say stayed. Stayed.